and good morning again. Today's gospel, it encourages us to assess the cost of trying to live and be a follower of Jesus. So in preparation and trying to get some ideas for our, our uh, sermon today, I came across an author and spiritual trainer, a gentleman by the name of Alex McManus. And Mr. McManus, he conducts training events for people who are discerning a call from God to launch new communities of faith. The author invites candidates with a very interesting marketing strategy. And it reads, Heroes Wanted for a Quest to save the world. Safe return doubtful. <laughs> I think that's an interesting invitation. How about you? I venture to say that Mr. McManus captures the intent of Jesus's gospel today. Mission and cost. So let's unpack Jesus's lesson about discipleship. Jesus in our lesson is traveling to Jerusalem and he knows that the cross is looming ahead. His reference that day to the group that was following him was about serving as a disciple and he was telling them that to follow him that they needed to embrace the cross also as a central value in their lives. Jesus was telling the crowd that day that the only true life worth living is the one that promotes a life of full commitment to God's mission of serving as a follower of Jesus. So the central focus is the cost of being a follower of Jesus. Verses 28 and 32, they contain two parables that encourage the reader to understand the relationship of wealth, family, and self-preservation as it relates to being a disciple. The parables convey the riskiness in following Jesus without making a full assessment of the cost involved. The examples of the builder who didn't prepare the estimate for the cost of the building, the tower. Or how about the king who didn't develop a strategy in waging a war against another king and thus having to surrender. In these two illustrations, the true cost of the mission was not understood or calculated. On that journey to Jerusalem, Jesus's conversations with the group, they sound like he is suggesting them to a call that's unattainable. I mean, he's talking about fighting with each other in the family, mother against father and son against father and mother against daughter. And who would wanna be a part of a life that encourages division among family members? Why is he encouraging hatred between family members? Well, at least in the literal sense when we're reading the gospel. It seems very strange, don't you think, to wanna have separation with people we love? However, during Jesus' time, the family represented the primary set of allegiances in the community. 
So those disciples that committed their lives and allegiance to Jesus transcended all other relational bounds of family, socioeconomic status, and social connections. So you see how we understand and see the term hatred today is not how they applied it during that time. Turning against one's allegiance from, was fa from family was equivalent to hatred. As we proceed with the lesson, Jesus concludes with the text about possessions. Another author, Reverend Dr. Robert, Robert Tuttle, was quoted as saying the last part of a person to be converted is his or her wallet. Now we all know a person's possessions. They tell a lot about how a person understands status. Jesus' believers aren't defined or limited by the size of their bank accounts or the amount of stuff that they have. No, Jesus was calling them to forfeit any appearance of status for the sake of God's mission. I believe the promotion of status limits our ability to reach others with the gospel. Appearances of superiority or class may inflate how maybe we're seen by the world, but they negate our witness as followers of Jesus. So the bottom line is that it just gets in the way. The gospel today, it reminded me of my own attempts to take cover and hide from God for years. Although ordained in 2013, and I, I started in seven, um, I spent 20 years before pursuing corporate and academic credentials that I thought were very meaningful. They weren't. The formal education and business experience of serving as the legislative director for a large public Maryland employee union, and then as general sales manager for an insurance brokerage, oh, it had wonderful benefits, great experiences, and, and I'm very grateful for those experiences, but there was this really annoying whisper in my ear from God, pushing me to learn about God and to become vulnerable to him and to let God control my life. I truly do believe that all of our early experiences in life, they really are preparing us for changes. What do you think? Have any of you ever had those experiences where you educational or employment opportunities and then later on you were able to use those skills in another capacity? Doors open. Doors where maybe Jesus welcomes you. So I stepped down from being the diocese legislative director in May after 12 years. And it was a lovely opportunity and I love our bishop and I love the diocese, and it was great work, but it, I was, I'm old, and it's time to turn it over, and it's time to get young blood in there to handle that job. So, what do you do when you give up something you love? You know, you look for something else to love, right? Okay, all right. So now I'm serving as a mentor in the diocese deacon formation program. Now, this is a seminary program that, that offers a discernment opportunity for folks that are thinking about the diaconate or priesthood. And 
my efforts now are trying to help folks who are probably annoyed by that little voice, that whisper in their ear from God and explaining what it's all about and what God's calling them to do and how discipleship, it's different for all of us, but it's just so meaningful. So for one thing for sure, and once accepting Jesus, their lives will never be the same. And I've told students to hold on tight because their lives will be rewritten. So in closing, our text today calls us to a similar counting of cost versus gain. Following Jesus Christ into the world on a mission is the highest calling that I can think of. But you know, it's a really tough challenge. Values, priorities, your life gets reevaluated just when you thought you knew what you were doing. You have your feet firmly planted in the air. It's that kind of a change, but it's a good change. So, allegiance to family, bank accounts, or possessions, they're all secondary to God's mission. But it is through following him that we are assured of his love and his grace. Amen.